Welcome to this podcast for Thorax Journal Club. Today I'm talking to Dr. David Earn. Dr. Earn first authored a paper in Annals of Internal Medicine entitled Effects of School Closure on Incidents of Pandemic Influenza in Alberta, Canada, and works in the Department of Mathematics and Statistics at McMaster University. Dr. Earn, thank you for taking the time to record this podcast with us today. My pleasure. Could you start by explaining why pandemic flu is so awful that measures such as school closure even need to be considered or thought about? Well, we're accustomed to influenza epidemics every year, seasonal influenza epidemics, which uh, infect a substantial proportion of the population and cause many deaths worldwide, primarily in the very young and the elderly. When we have a pandemic, which means that a novel strain of influenza has entered the population in some way, a strain to which most people in the world have no immunity, it can spread very effectively and rapidly throughout the world. So the first reason that pandemics are important is that they infect so many more people than seasonal influenza epidemics. Also, they have a history of of causing a lot of trouble, that is, very uh, serious illness and death in sectors of the population that aren't normally considered at high risk in the population. And the most extreme example was in the 1918 flu when the highest mortality was actually in young adults, individuals between something like age 20 and 35. Can you explain a little bit about mathematical transmission models, in particular how you do them, what assumptions need to be made, and how results should be interpreted? Perhaps it's easiest to contrast a mathematical transmission model with just a statistical model of that tries to forecast how an epidemic will proceed. You can imagine that day by day or week by week you get numbers of cases or deaths that have been reported. On the basis of the pattern that has occurred so far, you could try and fit a curve that predicts the future of what will happen in the epidemic. But that won't work in the case of an infectious disease, at least it won't work very well typically, and that's because it wouldn't take into account the mechanism of disease spread, which is that individuals contact other individuals and they contact others and so on. And when we make a mathematical model, we include those mechanisms of disease spread, how things spread in the population, and then we can actually use data that comes in, reported cases or deaths, to get a good idea of the underlying mechanisms, how important they are, and allow us to determine what things we might be able to do to slow the spread of disease or to potentially stop the spread of disease altogether. What were the specific aims of this study? We had an opportunity to look very carefully at the structure of the 2009 influenza pandemic in Alberta where very good quality data had been collected. And what I mean by that is that unlike most places in the world, in the province of Alberta, anybody who wanted to basically was being tested for influenza. And that went on right through the summer and into the middle of the second wave of the pandemic. And consequently, in terms of interpreting the the structure of the epidemic, 
we didn't have the problem, which we would have in most places, that there were testing restrictions that were, that were imposed. So because we had that opportunity of good quality data that sampled the epidemic, we were able to ask questions about what factors influenced the structure of the pandemic. Why did the first wave trail off and then a second wave start? And so we wanted to try to address those questions, and in particular we wanted to know whether closing schools for the summer had an impact on the structure of the epidemic and whether changes in weather patterns had an impact. The opportunity to do this type of study is, is rare because mm. it's, uh, people almost never collect the type of data that would facilitate it. For example, in the province of Ontario, which is larger, fantastic data were collected until June the 11th, right. and then they imposed testing restrictions. Sure. And when I speak about this work, I often make a plea to people who control data collection to say, you know, it really is worth collecting high-quality data throughout uh, an epidemic of an infectious disease, well after you know what the disease is and what its characteristics are, mm. because then after the fact you can look back and figure out what uh, control measures or what environmental factors had an impact on the pattern of the epidemic, and that is very useful information for planning control strategies in the future. And what did you find? We found that school closure which in this case meant schools were closed for the summer because classes ended uh, in late June, had an enormous impact and by far the strongest impact on the pattern of the epidemic. So uh, we found that transmission um, in school-aged children was reduced by at least 50%, which is an enormous effect, and that caused the uh, first wave of the pandemic to trail off and in school children and within a few weeks in the rest of the population. And we also found evidence for opening of schools triggering the start of the second uh, wave of the pandemic. We did find that weather patterns had an impact, but it was a much smaller impact compared to closing schools. And so all of this emphasizes how important transmission within school-aged children in schools and of those children to their families and friends and so on, how important that is in patterns of influenza epidemics. And finally, do you think that school closure is a feasible and a realistic option on the back of this study to help to slow the spread of pandemic and something that's generalizable and that countries should, such as the UK, should be thinking of if we have another flu pandemic? The sort of inference that, that one can make is that in in places that have contact networks of, you know, where people contact each other in a similar way that they do in Alberta, Canada, which is roughly true in other Western countries, it would be very natural to infer that school closure will have a big impact in those places as well. And so I do think uh, that it should be considered very carefully. And I think that this study shows much more strongly than any other study I've seen previously that, that it really works. People have thought for a very long time that school closure probably would have an impact, but it's been very difficult to really show that decisively uh, with data and show using a model that transmission has been reduced by a big factor. And because we had the opportunity to use this very high-quality data, we were able to establish that. And so I think it's very compelling. In spite of that, no matter how compelling the effect 
of school closure on transmission is, it would always have to be balanced against other uh, social factors. If the mortality rate from an influenza uh, pandemic actually was extremely low, then you might not think it was worth all the economic and social costs of closing schools for a very long time. But it's public health officials who need to make those kinds of decisions. Dr. Owen, thank you very much. My pleasure. For more information about this programme and other BMJ Group podcasts, please visit bmj.com.